Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret It's mentally, 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 mentally yours Mentally yours Mentally yours Hi everyone, welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's mental health podcast I'm Yvette Castor and today I'm chatting to James Lindsay He's a writer and a senior marketing officer who's written a book called Befriending My Brain. We're going to be chatting all about schizoaffective disorder and psychosis. So I'd always had anxiety as a teenager, but when I was 26 years old was when I had my first psychotic episode after um, breaking up with a long-term partner. But I was also in the wrong job, which I was putting a lot of stress and pressure on myself about. Um, and I ended up getting sections for four weeks, going to a psychiatric wards, um, which was very traumatic and difficult, but necessary because I was very unwell. Um, and even after I got out, it was kind of a long road ahead and a very difficult recovery. Um, but I did get better kind of in the few years after that until I um I had a relapse in 2019 um I wasn't sectioned for that one thankfully but it was uh another difficult period but thankfully that's the last of the psychotic episodes and um been stable since March 2020 so I'm sort of celebrating three years stable this month which is cool um but that's it in a nutshell really are you all right to t- talk a bit more about um, what psychosis looked like for you, like what actually happened? Can you remember? Yeah, yeah. So um, I got very sleep deprived. Um, I wasn't looking after myself and I had countless sleepless nights, um, which led to me being very hyper and um, talking from one subject to another without making much sense to people. Um and I was having 
delusions and hallucinations. So I thought I was being trapped and followed by uh, companies. I thought I was receiving messages from the TV and the radio and even the weather. Um, I thought I could kind of, in some cases, like sort of read people's thoughts and like it it was a bit deceiving at first because sometimes the sort of early stages of psychosis almost almost feels good in a way because like you feel like you've got sort of heightened senses but um yeah it, it was very bizarre and like my kind of reality was very different from what people like what was around me so oh sorry that's my phone um, you mentioned hallucinations in there. What sort of things were you seeing? I think I remember lying in bed like when I couldn't sleep and I was looking at something on my wall, like a, a frame or something, and it, it suddenly sort of seemed to move, like to just jump, almost like a sort of a flick, like a, like, I don't know, a video when it's buffering or something. And uh, that was really bizarre. Um, I'm just trying to think what else I experienced in terms of hallucinations, like kind of just seeing things that weren't there really, like um, sort of people, like I sort of had memories of certain things, like um, seeing people, but I didn't actually see them, like when they were sort of asked, like, about the time I spent with them and uh so it came to like a kind of thing where like my mum and dad weren't sure I was telling the truth because of they they weren't sure if what I was telling them was actually something that really happened or if it was like a hallucination and was it quite a scary time at the time or at the time was it just sort of what you believed so it was I don't know. I mean, because I've had sort of psychosis as well. And in a manic episode, I sort of actually felt kind of good about it. What were the sort of feelings that went along with it at the time? Yeah, it was very mixed. So there was some sort of feeling good about it. Um, But it was uh, very scary at the same time. And because I was acting so out of character as well, I think that was kind of one of the most kind of shocking parts of it. Like I was kind of very talkative and hyper, whereas usually I'm quite sort of introvert and um, like calmer. Um, So, yeah, it was like I was a completely different person in some ways. Mm. And what actually happened that led to you being sectioned? So I was at home and I was just displaying more like concerning behaviour. And I, I actually thought, people I loved were like trying to harm me. So for example, my brother, um, he spends a lot of time on devices like his tablet and video games and stuff. And I got some idea that he was tracking me and was like plotting against me. And um, my mum and dad became so concerned, they called an ambulance and um, I got taken in the ambulance to Watford General Hospital, which is the nearest one where I live. And, uh, then they assessed me there like in the early hours and then a doctor or psychiatrist was the one who kind of decided I had to spend time in a ward because I was like danger to myself and others um 
So I was taken in a taxi from the hospital to the wards like in the early hours. Um, and it's hard because I don't have, I sort of have quite hazy memories of that time because I was so sleep deprived, like, and, um, your brain, like when it's so sleep deprived, I think it, it can't store memory as well because it's not like, you know, repairing itself. So, um, yeah, it was, it was very sort of chaotic time being sectioned, but it was necessary to get me the help that I needed. Mm. Do you have any sort of clear memories um, in terms of your times, your time at hospital? Yeah, I remember getting there and kind of not really realising why I was there. Um, the staff were really nice, like they were really good to me. Um, the other patients were a mixed bag, so I got along with some, but there was like couple of incidents where I, I didn't get along with someone and I had to sort of stay away from them like one older gentleman kind of snaps at me out of nowhere um sort of shouted at me and sort of made it clear to, to sort of stay away from him and leave him alone he, he he must have been obviously very unwell as well maybe more than myself um I remember another guy kind of pacing around the ward and like looking at me quite menacingly so I sort of had to stay away from him and make sure there was a staff member kind of around just for my own sense of safety um but there was other like nice little moments I could I got along with one guy quite well when we would watch DVDs and sort of kick a ball around in the courtyards um and like we had things like art therapy and that was quite nice just to spend time doing something mindful and calming um but I also remember like randomly just breaking down in tears to the staff saying I don't want to be here I want to go home I don't know why I'm here um I remember the visits from mum and dad so they would visit me as much as possible in the wards and like I think the first visits like I was still having delusions and stuff and not making much sense but I remember like begging them to take me home and they had to say you know sorry we can't you know you have to stay here till you get better um so it was a really difficult four weeks but you know it, it kind of was the start of my recovery journey like because I was on a lot of medication as well um and the medication kind of led to me being able to sleep again which led to my brain being able to recover essentially I uh, see so did you um start taking med medication when you were on the ward then yeah yeah I think straight away to be honest because I really needed them like the antipsychotics and mood stabilizers and I think I was on about three or four different meds in there like one of them was just to help me sleep as well some of them were more kind of short-term urgent meds and others were like more long-term and was there any kind of um, therapy aspect when you were there, whether it's group therapy or individual? Yeah, I definitely remember the group therapy because um, I remember a nice person coming in and like doing art therapy with us. So like drawing or painting or or like writing a poem or something like that. That's the one that sticks out the most. And I think I had one to one um, appointments in there, but I don't really remember them very well. Mm. I remember when I when I was sort of in a similar situation and we had group therapy and, and it was classic sitting around in a circle 
and everyone else decided to talk and I I, di- I didn't speak once when I was there because I was just I don't know at that point I was finding it hard to sort of talk about the um, the fact that I'd been through psychosis so it's it's a difficult one isn't it um so in terms of that stay um on the ward what actually happened um for you to then um to leave i mean at, at what point were you released yeah so i think i spent time in two or three different wards because they were like the wards were different levels of severity in terms of the people there and how mentally unwell they they were so i got moved around a couple of times and i remember kind of after a couple of weeks realizing why i was there and kind of saying to myself like the only way you're gonna get out is if you you know comply with the staff and take medication and do the therapy and just you know work on getting better and i kind of realized that that was my way out so I just did everything I could to make it happen and eventually it did and um, I remember kind of being taken home in the back of my own dad's car feeling like really relieved that I'd kind of made it out because I wasn't sure if I was going to have to stay in there longer than my original section um, so it was it was a brief kind of happy moment me thinking I was quite naive actually I think on the way back from the ward I thought okay now it's back home and I can kind of resume with life but it was you know the start of a much longer recovery Mm. yeah tell us a bit about life afterwards so I had a bit of time off work and then they put a phase return to work plan uh, together for me which started off as two days a week but they were half days rather than full days in the office um and I don't think I managed to get much further than that in terms of the hours I worked but um it was a really hard time um because I put I'd put on weight um from the medication and like my confidence and my self-esteem were at an all-time low um and I remember just commuting into London for the job, just feeling really miserable. And um, I kind of reddish the days when I didn't have to go to work. Um, and there were some days at work where I actually had to say to my manager, like, like, I feel terrible when I'm so tired. Like, can I go home early? And I had to go home early. Um, it was it was a really, like, uphill struggle. Um because the medication was so sedating, like I, I just sat at my desk and I had no kind of energy to do work or like think straight kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it was a really difficult um, time trying to get back to work. And then eventually I kind of got made redundant. Um, it was like a settlement agreement. So essentially they kind of said, um if it wasn't for the illness like my kind of performance wasn't up to standards and like they didn't want to go down disciplinary route um but like at the time I was kind of 
relieved they let me go because I wasn't wanting to be there anyway. I kind of would have liked to have got, gotten out on my own terms, but it was almost like a blessing in disguise in a way. Um, because I can kind of, I could start looking for a job I enjoyed instead of doing that. Um, so I kind of had another kind of short term boost in terms of getting out of that job. But then I spent about six months or so unemployed and that was really, really hard because I'd gone, I, my depression from kind of after being out of the wards got worse because I didn't have that job to sort of give me a, like a get up and go and a sort of sense of purpose, if you like. So, yeah, I think that's probably one of my most depressing like times of my life to be, to be honest, because I was just unemployed and on meds and kind of miserable in my situation. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because, I mean, even if you're in a job that you don't particularly like, you know, regular work does give you a sort of routine to the day, doesn't it? Like you get up at a certain time and you go out at a certain time and there is usually an element of sort of socialising and meals at a certain time. It's it's a very sort of set routine, whereas I know sort of from periods where, I, where I've been unemployed, it can all get a little bit, um, what's the right word, just very sort of loose and hazy and well just not out of routine which I know from speaking to mental health ex- experts is not great for anybody's mental health regardless of of whether you've struggled with a, a long-term issue or or anything really yeah and I was quite hard on myself as well like I kind of didn't take it as an opportunity to kind of rest and and just kind of figure out like I don't know making the most of it if that makes sense I was I was very much like I need to be working like and this I had this kind of mindset that I just needed to be back working and it's a shame looking back on it I couldn't have just kind of enjoyed it while it lasts type thing but I guess that's easier said than done at the time yeah it's it's a really tricky one because also I mean after what you'd been through you know in an ideal world you'd have had a really sort of sympathetic employer that would have been incredibly flexible and maybe let you work from home for a bit or you know been been very sort of flexible about things but unfortunately a lot of workplaces are still very much you know set in their ways about coming at this time and do this and that and a lot of them don't have much understanding about um, mental illness. Yeah I mean I don't have a bad word to say about the employer I mean they kind of they they gave me a lot of time and uh, I guess in hindsight maybe me working from home would have been helpful but apart from that I think they you know I had I had regular like meetings with HR and my line manager about how it was going um so I don't really have any sort of bad feelings towards the employer if that makes sense but it just it's one of those things where it wasn't the right job for me. How long did it take you to receive um the right diagnosis um did you get the diagnosis um when you were in the wards or did that come later? To be honest, my diagnosis back then was quite, so it's quite long-winded. I, I, I remember it being like acute psychotic disorder with symptoms of schizophrenia, which for me didn't feel like a proper diagnosis. It wasn't until the year 2020 after I had my relapse that I got told I had schizoaffective disorder, um, which was actually a more helpful diagnosis because I was able to 
look into what that was and realize kind of how my brain works differently and like just everything that comes with a diagnosis like learning to look after yourself and um so yeah it took quite a while to get my diagnosis now mm. um and can you tell us a bit about what it actually is and how it's different from say schizophrenia or bipolar disorder yeah yeah so it's um on that spectrum so it's like a kind of cross between them in a nutshell it's um both a psychotic disorder and a mood disorder because it shares symptoms with both schizophrenia and um bipolar um i think my version of it is more towards schizophrenia because i take an antipsychotic um i don't take any mood stabilizers at the moment um so but i think some other people might kind of take a combination of both so it's uh and for me it's something i'm fortunate that i'm able to manage day to day like i've got a, a full-time job now and i i take my antipsychotic every evening and i sleep well and i'm i'm well but um if i didn't take that medication i'm much more likely to have a sleepless night and then start getting the rapid racing thoughts and developed the delusions and hallucinations again so the medication is really my foundation like it's a lifeline it keeps me like on an even keel mm. yeah I'd love to hear what else um helps you manage it um quite a quite a lot of things so I try and be very active in terms of my sport and exercise um just the endorphins of doing that kind of um keep me feeling good but also like the slower exercises kind of like your yoga and meditation I find really helpful um and eating well and and keeping alcohol in moderation help a lot um so I can't actually drink alcohol if I take my medication first like I have to um if I go out for a drink I have to kind of take the medication after after otherwise I would just be like feeling really sleepy out in the bar and it wouldn't be it'd be pointless but um also writing um has helped me a lot not not just the blogs and my book but like just journaling and keeping a diary like where possible if I'm having like an anxious or stressful day I find that if I write what's going on in my head down on paper it almost transfers the feeling from inside my head to the paper and I can like read it and normalize it and feel better that way um so yeah there's a lot of different things that keep me well and like they are kind of unique to me like they might not work for everyone but I've kind of found the right formula I guess mm. you mentioned your book in there um tell us more about that because obviously um it's called befriending my brain I'd just love to hear more about it and why did you want to write it yeah so it's um something I started in 2018 when I was working part-time and uh, had more time in my hands but I read I'd started reading other memoirs about mental illness and that kind of resonated with me and it was like what I was reading someone else's experience was like them describing my own experience and it made me feel be like oh so it's not just me that's 
going through this. Like lots of people have gone through this. And it also changed my mindset. Like, oh, maybe I don't need to bury this and be closed up about it and never mention it. Maybe I can start talking about it. And it, it led to me writing a blog for Minds. And that had really, really good feedback and like made me feel so good. And I kind of caught the writing bug. So I started writing it that year and um, it was like a nice little on and off side projects that I had um, for the four years it took me to write it. So I kind of would get really deep in it one weekend, maybe write a few chapters and then I might leave it alone for weeks or months. But I knew it was kind of there to go back to when I felt like it. Um, So it's a... It's a memoir, the book, essentially, but it's also a self-help book because um, it's got, like, a lot of lists in it, like um, podcasts I recommend and books I recommend, TV shows, films, uh, language I recommend as well. And, like, it's got my doctor's notes in it and chats I have with other people, so it's different perspectives. So I kind of wrote it thinking that I want this book to help anyone regardless of if they're mentally ill like I want someone to read it and feel like oh I've got I've learned something new I can take something away from it um and yeah it feels really good to to have it out there um because it only came out about a week and a half ago so it's nice to finally have it out there yeah um I wanted to ask you a bit about your thoughts on how friends and family of people with schizoaffective disorder um, can support them? I know it's obviously different for everybody, but do you have any particular thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, like the more people I've shared my condition with kind of benefits me because more people are aware of like what to look out for, like my partner and my family and my friends can kind of support me together. Um, And... I guess, like, in terms of supporting people in general, like, it's it's good to keep sort of checking in when you can and, like, kind of listening to how they're getting on, like, non-judgmentally. Because um, sometimes I think when you're not well, you just kind of need to, to vent or be listened to. Um, and just, like, letting them know, like, you're not, criticizing them they just you just you care and um want want your your person your person that's not well to feel better um i've got like a sort of recovery plan and like a relapse prevention plan as well that i developed with my like nhs mental health team um and that's really good like i keep that saved and i i make sure like certain people access it as well um but yeah I think in general just sort of keep talking and and sharing because you can you can support other people which makes you feel good but you can also receive support from others so it's a good two-way deal is it too personal a question to ask um just a couple of things that are on the relapse prevention plan because that sounds really interesting I, I must admit it's been too long since I kind of accessed it and, and read it um myself i need to kind of do a little refresher because it, it again it's something which you can update because i had a a version after my first psychotic episode and then i think 
I had a relapse, so like my that kind of made me need to update it. But um, I think on mine, sleep is a big thing because I know sleep's like such a, a foundation to my health. Like if I uh, go sleepless nights or don't get many hours, that's kind of when I'm more vulnerable. Um, and stress is also kind of like a red flag for me. Um, and like my loved ones are aware of this, like kind of if I'm stressed, like it's kind of, I'm, I'm more likely to, I don't know, be out of character and, um, maybe like my emotions would be more kind of elevated. I might, I might be more angry or, or snappy sort of thing. Um, yeah, I need to, I need to go back and, and look at the plan, I think, because yeah, it's something I haven't looked at in a, a good few months. <laughs> but I mean, both those things you've said are, are so key and I think really helpful to kind of mention because everybody sort of says, well, you know, it's important to have, good sleep and you know try and keep your stress levels down but certainly when you know you live with a long-term mental health issue it's really crucial isn't it to sort of keep your eye on those things um how are you doing these days because we focused a lot on you know your, your more difficult times and the things that you've been through um how are things going these days yeah I'm happy to report things are good so um I work full-time for a mental health charity in the marketing team which I really enjoy because it's like using my degree but at the same time it's using my lived experience to help others which is really fulfilling and nice and um I'm getting married this year as well which I'm very excited about um something which oh, I congratulations thank you yeah something which years ago like I didn't think I'd be capable of meeting anyone because I was you know in that depressed pit like thinking it would never happen again so I, I really like try and take stock of things like kind of where I am now and where I was and just be grateful and like uh just try to it gives me motivation to stay well because I think that the thing with psychosis is it affects people around you and so it's like my motivation to stay well is for them not just for myself so yeah things are good so it's um looking like a good year for me so I'm gonna try and um make sure the book kind of does well in terms of the people it helps and trying to get the word out there and stuff. And I'm trying to do like more advocate things like write blogs and go on radio and TV and things like that where I can just to sort of do my bit. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116 123. If you've enjoyed the show, please give us a rating um, on iTunes. Five stars would be great. You can also find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group called Mentally Yours. And we're also on Twitter at MentallyYRS. See you next time. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.